Are we, are we live now? I'm recording. You're Mom listening to Mumbrella Cast. Mumbrella Umbrella Cast. Cast. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Damien Francis. It's a relatively fresh team today breaking down the week in media and marketing. Mumbrella reporter Xander Wilson joins us again. How are you, Xander? Uh, recovering from not getting COVID. Had a COVID test earlier this week and it's negative and I'm feeling much better. Well done, well done. And it's great also to welcome for the first time Olivia Crimmel, who has recently joined Bumbrella as Managing Editor. Welcome, Olivia. Thank you very much, Damien. Very glad to be Have here. Have you had a COVID test recently? I had two when I was in quarantine, lucky me. Well, that makes three of us. Uh, apologies up front for the strained voice at the moment. It's a cold. It's not COVID like Xander. I've done a test and the results are negative. So that's a good sign. Moving on, though, later in the Mumbrella cast, I will be talking to CEO of Publicist Group Australia and New Zealand, Michael Ribello, about Publicist Liberté and the fortuitous timing of launching Flexible Working prior to COVID. And in March 18, when we said, look, everyone... Um we need to work from home, it's the safer, safest place to be, we could literally flick a switch. The connected platform and what it means for both staff and clients. Actually what we're seeing too is there's a level of dynamism in the marketplace and you need to shift uh, you know, quite fluidly. Plus the big changes that have happened to publishers in 2020 and how they will shape the business. Some have been accelerated by COVID because we've seen uh, either increasing demand or an increasing opportunity to, to, to move. But first, let's take a look at the major topics this week. Stan gets in the game with Stan Sports and some significant rights deals. And Woolworths Cartology bets big with investment in talent and capabilities for 2021. Nine Stan has made its intentions known when it comes to sports rights by launching Stan Sports on Monday and announcing a deal with Rugby Australia pending Sansar sign-off. The first rights deal for Stan Sports is worth $100 million in cash and contra, with the partnership to kick off in 2021 for three years. That was followed up on Thursday morning by the announcement that Nine and Stan have also secured the rights to Roland Garros and Wimbledon for the next three years for an undisclosed amount. Stan Sports will be offered as a bundle to Stan streaming customers as a live and on-demand premium sports package. Xander, you covered the initial story on Mumbrella, the launch of Stan Sports. It wasn't completely unexpected, but arguably it came sooner than perhaps many had thought. Walk us through the deal. Uh, so the, the contract with Rugby Australia uh, will see rugby games broadcast on Stan Sport, plus Nine will also broadcast Wallabies test matches that are played locally in Australia and New Zealand on their free-to-air uh, offering as well. And as you mentioned this morning, there's also a three-year deal to broadcast the tennis, Wimbledon and Roland Garros tennis tournaments. Um, what that means, a 25-year association between Rugby Union uh, and Fox Sports ends. Uh, now, it's no surprise that the sport has struggled in Australia over sort of the past five years or even longer than that with TV TV numbers, attendance figures have fallen in those years as it battles to stay I guess, relevant against more heavily participated in sports. Um, and today at uh, the Nine AGM, Hugh Marks said that Stan Sport will provide Nine with the ability to address a valuable and passionate sports audience through Stan's entry in the sports subscription market. Uh, but it will be very interesting to see what sorts of things they add to it to the offering before it launches in 2021. It's become a pretty big battleground at the moment, not just the networks, but also, of course, the subscription services now. 
KO was the first really to get in on the market. And this news came just a few weeks after KO announced its intentions to provide a free service. Uh, that was at the time where the rugby deal was still in play. Uh, this seems to be a bit of a warning shot sent out uh, by Nine, some pretty big rights deals going on and not much now said from Foxtel or KO since initially suggesting they were going to do the free service and perhaps uh, we were led to believe that may have been in line with the, a rugby deal, which of course has now gone to Nine. Uh, what does this say to the market, Xander? Is this the, the start of a bit of an all-out war for sports? Uh, interestingly enough, uh, during both the AGM this morning, uh, which were I attended virtually, and the media call that took place afterwards, um, KO didn't get mentioned too much, and Fox Sports didn't get mentioned too much. Um, what kept coming up was was Netflix, and and Hugh Mark said that he he does believe that Stan can be bigger than Netflix in this market uh, with the with the message from Nine, you know, focused on building Stan as a differentiator to Netflix. Uh, Mark said that. Um, I guess the advantage that Stan has is that it's local. Um, even if Netflix and Amazon Prime decide to to offer sports live on demand, they won't be able to tap into the local markets like like Stan can. Uh, obviously, they won't be able to do that on rugby and tennis alone. Uh, but given how quickly Nine followed up the rugby announcement earlier this week with this tennis announcement, uh, we have to assume there's more in the pipeline. So I spoke with Chris Walton from Nun Media earlier this week, and he said that from a media bias perspective, rugby union probably won't be enough on its own to draw enough subscribers to cover costs. Um, so there probably are other plans, but you'd expect more sports to be added to the offering before it launches. Um, and it'll definitely be interesting to see whether we hear anything out of Fox and KO before 2020 is over. And we should add as well that KO has just come uh, off the back of announcing its subscriber base is much larger than it ever has been before with, uh, I believe the number was 600,000 subscribers at last count, which is a big rebound from the dip they saw when COVID occurred and, and all the sports stopped. Did you get an indication that COVID had affected any of these rights deals and perhaps drawn down the costs or made the negotiations a little bit simpler for the, the broadcasters, Xander? Uh, I, I think COVID, as we saw this year, threw quite a lot of negotiations in the air. Um, from the start of the year, obviously, uh, Rugby Australia was forced to negotiate a new deal with Fox Sports, the one-year deal that that it had this year, um, and that was at a reduced rate. Uh, the A-League was forced to do something similar. So I think that the fact that the likes of Fox Sports are are unwilling to pay the amounts that they were paying in the past definitely it definitely opens up the market to players like Stan uh, to come in, swoop on these sorts of deals. Um, and, and as I mentioned, if they can add more sports to it, um, this could be a real differentiator in the market. Next, Cartology shows its intent, announcing enhanced capabilities for 2021. In its second year of operation, Woolworth's retail media business, Cartology, is looking to bring a suite of new capabilities and talent to the fore in 2021. In the first quarter of next year, Cartology will offer brands additional personalization opportunities across its digital assets on desktop and mobile, including the Everyday Rewards app. It will also look to make additional hires for the business. Olivia, you spoke to Mike Tyquin, Cartology's Managing Director. What did he have to say? 
He's extremely optimistic about the business going forward, Damien, and with good reason. Uh, Cartology is adding a raft of new tools for their clients in 2021. As you mentioned, the enhanced personalization, but also audience activation and audience attribution tools. The uh, enhanced personalization is particularly important as where once upon a time, Woolworths was limited to in-store advertising and pamphlets. Um, you may remember the ones you'd get in the letterbox. It uh, now has a vast array of direct channels with consumers. And it's not only using those for its own purposes, but also for the many brands that sell via Woolworths. So while they've already been using EDMs quite successfully via the Everyday Rewards platform, they're now also tapping into consumers via the mobile app, social media, and also the Woolworths.com platform. And it's a really interesting area, particularly at the moment. COVID clearly had an acceleration effect here, where with Woolworths reporting record online sales in the financial year 2020, totaling $3.5 billion. How is it going to capitalize on that? Yes, well, Woolworths is investing heavily in its digital capabilities and Cartology is part of that, along with Woolies X, their digital arm. Uh, Cartology has been working with brands to reprioritize their campaigns to be more digitally focused. That's in part due to COVID, but the um, movement was already there beforehand. Um, It's also particularly looking to help retain any new customers captured via the digital engagement throughout COVID. Um, this is coupled with their ability to track purchases, which is obviously a huge advantage for them, having real-time data sales alongside the activation and channel data. So the Woolworths proposition is particularly appealing for those FMCG marketers who are under pressure to keep costs down, um, particularly with the current environment. Um, the integrated platform across the digital and in-store experience is something that Woolworths is really leveraging on. They've already worked with over a thousand brands and with um, over 5,000 potential brands to work with. I think we'll be seeing a lot more from Cartology in the next 12 months. I definitely agree with you there. The battleground uh, here, particularly between Coles and and Woolworths in this space, is going to be really, really interesting to watch. And Cartology is definitely a brand that we need to watch quite closely. I think with Mike Tyquin leading that charge, it's also going to be a, a very intriguing thing to see where they go he's of course got a very strong background in outdoor and uh, we've seen what he's been able to do in that space so this will definitely be very interesting to watch that's it for news this week a quick note that as we record this we're in the midst of nines agm which xander has been in and out of uh, where hugh marks has also already announced positive ad revenue forecast for metro free-to-air television Uh, Xander's covered that off and there's more to come, so do make sure you visit Mumbrella to keep up to date with the news coming out of Nine's annual general meeting. But up next, my chat with publicist group AUNZ CEO, Michael Ribello. Mumbrella 360 is on in just a matter of days from November 17 to 20. Are you ready? There's never been a more important time to put your tools down, step away from the day-to-day tasks and spend four days absorbing the latest wisdom, research study insights and inspirational tales from the industry leaders. Luminary industry heavyweights featured on the program include S4 Capitals, founder and executive chairman, Sir Martin Sorrell, McDonald's director of marketing, Joe Feeney, Microsoft's head of evangelism, Christy Olson, WPP CEO and MD, Jens Monsies, and many more. 
Tickets start from just $69. Book yours today. Go to mumbrella.com.au forward slash mumbrella360 for more info. In early 2019, Michael Ribello was announced as the new CEO of publicist group Australia and New Zealand. He has a long history with the group, having worked for Saatchi and Saatchi largely in various leadership roles that saw him deployed all over the world, including Vietnam, Singapore, New Zealand, the UK, and of course Australia, before taking on group roles locally. He sat down with me to discuss the publicist's journey through COVID to now, what strategies he was betting on to boost business, and how much he loves video conferences. He joins me now. Michael Ribello, the group CEO, publicist group Australia and New Zealand. Michael, I know it's an extremely busy time for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Damien. It's it's great to be here. This is my first uh, podcast with Mumbrella, so uh, appreciate the invitation and, and look forward to having a good chat with you. Fantastic. What a time it is to be alive and to be the, the CEO of publicist group Australia and New Zealand at the moment. If I may, let's cast your mind all the way back to February when the announcement was made that a flexible working framework had been put in place uh, by publicists. Uh, And for those playing at home, that was actually prior to COVID-19 happening. You must have looked like a bit of a genius uh, a month and a half later on. How has that evolved because of the situation that we found ourselves in now or has it even evolved was it fit for purpose when the pandemic hit properly? Damien, look, fantastic question to kick off uh, the, the podcast. I can't take any credit uh, for, for that. I think it was fortuitous uh, and a bit of luck that we had in, um, launched our Publicist Liberté program, which is our flexible work um, program. And that's been, the, um, that's been the hard work by my chief talent officer, Paulie Grant, and her team. And it was something that we started... Uh, thinking about in 2018 and look I think in our industry it's well known that we have an unusually high um, rate of mental health issues uh, and and mental well-being is a really a a big um, um, uh, challenge for for us uh, as an industry so we embarked on on our Liberté um, program and the thinking behind that back in 2018 because one of the things we found through our uh, staff engagement surveys was that to achieve happiness in the workplace, a degree of flexibility was was really required. So, really, we started this journey, you know, some a couple of years ago. And again, it was just by luck that we had launched it ahead of the pandemic, because none of us knew that the pandemic was coming. For us, I guess the the, the principle around that was that we wanted to allow the um, our people to fit work around their lives, not the other way around. And I think that's what we we, we currently have been doing. Uh, and, and as an, an industry, I think we're we, we need to really look at how um, our people can really start to bring in other facets of their their life and prioritise that and, and, and create a much more balanced, uh, I guess, existence. So that was the principle behind Liberté. Uh, and obviously COVID happened. Uh, we had already done at least six to 12 months of preparation. We had trained our managers, our leaders and our people around what uh, flexibility should look like in the publicist world. Uh, it's a philosophy, not a policy. So we don't mandate anything. We just have um, six guiding um, um, behaviours because this is about behaviour change more than anything. But also implemented, I guess, the technology platforms that you need, both the software and the hardware. So when the pandemic did hit and in March 18 when we said, look, everyone, um, we need to work from home. It's the safest place to be. 
we could literally flick a switch uh, and, and move to that. So it was quite a seamless transition for us. And so you had that win in a sense uh, in terms of culture for publicists. I'm sure it probably went down quite well internally for the staff. And then COVID hits, like you say, Mar- March 18, COVID hits. Everyone's affected. Let's not pretend it was just publicists at all. Everyone's affected here. Now, Mumbrella reported, and I know a, a number of other uh, trade media also reported uh, some of the, the challenges that publicists uh, was facing. Uh, there was a story of, of 34 roles being at risk and cost-cutting measures, much like other uh, groups and, and agencies in the industry. Um, but we're, we're kind of past that now, touch wood, I hope. I'd love to get your view on that. I'd love to get your view, Michael, on where are we sitting at the moment? Uh, how confident are you that perhaps the business has been shored up now as a whole um, and that you're moving forward and you're able to to build on not just the liberté that you, you, you put in and, and that those cultural plays that, that were made prior to COVID, but you're now able to build on the, the changes that have been made during COVID as well. Yeah, look, uh, Damien, it's a, I wish I had a crystal ball, uh, but I'll give you my best my best uh, assessment and outlook of what, what we believe and what we're seeing. And a lot of this is built from, um, you know, our discussions with our clients and really understanding how uh, they are seeing uh, the next 6, 12, 18 months. We also rely a lot on the science too. Uh, and I guess on today, uh, today as we're recording this podcast, uh, you know, there's, there's news of a new vaccine uh, that's had 90% efficacy. So, look, we have a lot of hope and optimism around that. Look, I think coming into 2020, we had a lot of momentum as a business uh, across our group. That certainly allowed us to uh, uh, have a lot of resilience through the pandemic. And I think, if anything, uh, what we've seen this year, whether it's the agency business or our clients' businesses, those industries that had a level of momentum could withstand this a lot longer. So if I were to, to, to talk about you know our approach and then where we are now, look, um, we first and foremost said our, our primary goal as a group and we will be stronger together, uh, is to save as many jobs as possible, right? And we had clearly articulated a, a four-stage plan uh, before we got to any form of restructuring. And that was literally, um, uh, we were able to achieve that because of the scale we have as a business. When you look at the publicist group across Australia and New Zealand, it's around 1,600 people. So being able to pull these levers together versus individual brands doing it on their own, we were able to achieve, I guess, a scale effect. They gave us the ability to prolong uh, the decisions around redundancies. And when we did make them in July, we knew we'd done everything else possible beforehand. So we saved through the different measures that we implemented about 90 jobs, uh, uh, which we wouldn't have been able to do if we hadn't done that. And then obviously we had to make... um, uh, a number of roles redundant. I think it was reported as around 35. That was less than 2% of our total population. Uh, and look, one job being made redundant um, is too much in my books, but I guess we were all faced with some, some you know, some um, uh, harrowing circumstances through the pandemic. And then as we move forward now, look, I guess that momentum we had coming in has really helped us. And it's been tough. I think for anyone would be lying to you to say that, um, Leading, managing, working in 2020 has been a walk in the park. It's been a tough year, right? And in, in what I usually kind of the words of advice I give my team and my um, you know my, my people 
uh, in the publicist group was, look, look, in, in times of adversity, when we're facing these inordinate challenges, let's firstly look after ourselves first and foremost. Let's stay close to our clients. Let's help them through this. And let's respond with greatness, right? Let's respond with great ideas. Let's respond with new business wins. Let's get on the front foot. And I guess that's one of the things as we move into the end of 2020, we move into 21 with a level of, uh, I guess, we've we recaptured some of the momentum lost because of the pandemic. And we go into 21 back on the front foot. And, and I think that's been um, uh, really helpful for us. Now, as we look into 2021, uh, I would love to give you, the, you know, the, the, the answer to that. I would certainly say from what we're seeing, and this is also coupled with the science uh, of this pandemic, is I think that we should be um, optimistic. I think we should be looking for um, positive signs of growth. I think we will regain some ground as an industry uh, that um, has been lost. You can also see from the SMI figures uh, that have been um, published, there, there, there is um, spend coming back. And obviously that's sector-based as well. There will be some um, categories and industries that will take a lot longer, uh, you know. Um, but on the whole, I think we should look for uh, the outlook, I think, is um, one of um, uh, positivity. Now, how how... How big, how much, I think that's yet to be seen. There's a lot of positivity in in the market at the moment. There's a lot of talk about pitches. There's a lot of work going on, as you say, as well, which is fantastic to see. How nervous uh, is the industry potentially about JobKeeper next year at the moment? A lot of people have been saying maybe that's going to sink a few clients, a few businesses challenge a few agencies on that positivity note are we overplaying that do you think or is it something that we we do seriously have to consider as something looming over the the industry a bit look i think it's definitely a consideration uh, i think any economist would 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 um, point to that i don't think it um it uh signals the the death knell of growth i think it's something that we need to be um conscious about uh but i think we're seeing um Look, the unemployment figures uh, uh, last month weren't as high as what um, uh, we had all predicted, right? So I think there's certainly some other economic signs out there that are showing uh, that there, there could be um, some positivity returning. Obviously, uh, the JobKeeper program, that will um, at some point, uh, you know, um, uh, be removed and we've got to um, brace ourselves for that. Uh, hopefully by then we've got, you know, another two months uh, this year, uh, less than that, and another three months next year before it goes, that there'll be some, um, I guess, some, some economic uplift, some increase in consumer demand, etc. I mean, it, as I said today, with the vaccine announced, you saw the, um, you may have seen the, the rise in the ASX, right? Uh, a lot of um, organisations seeing... Um, some confidence come back uh, as a result of that. So, look, I think there's a lot of unknowns still between now and JobKeeper that will help, that will um, mitigate the pandemic, hopefully. So, but definitely, it is it's something that we need to be um, uh, conscious of. I'd love to go back to your response in terms of saving jobs and shuffling things about in order to make the best of the situation. It's a big group publicist group Australia New Zealand there's a lot of agencies there's a lot of people there there's a lot of different opinions of course and we've been talking a lot the the industry lately uh, about the challenges of different agencies different people different opinions and getting that all together to to work as one how did you manage that situation 
in this case where quite rapidly the situation evolved, you need to bring the leaders of the various agencies together to get on the same uh, idea plane. How difficult was that? How did you do it? Uh, and what sort of challenges came out from it? Yeah, Damien, look, I think there's a, there's a couple of things in that um, question which I'll, I'll try and uh, um, answer and unpack. Look, firstly, uh, the group has been on a journey since around 2016 of creating what we've been calling the connected platform, which is quite a unique um, um, model for a holding company where we have all of our brands operating um, as independently as they need to and compete in the sectors of the market that they do, but fundamentally are able to connect with their other agency partners to deliver on the needs of our clients um, first and foremost. And we were able to do that because in 2016 we went to what we called the, uh, a country model, which is the one PL. And then a couple of years later, that's how my role eventuated as, as the group CEO. Through that journey, uh, we've been building a muscle memory of collaboration, of working with our other agency brands and the leadership team working more, uh, I guess, as a collective. Now, they all go and, and, and lead their respective brands, whether you're the CEO of Spark Foundry or Saatchi and Saatchi. They still uh, have uh, the autonomy and the empowerment to drive those brands. But more and more, we've been building a culture where we can collaborate and come together to serve our clients and to help our clients and to help them through the myriad of um, marketing choices and decisions they have to make in, 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 in today's you know, modern-day landscape. So we had built a level of a, of a cultural um, muscle memory, should I say. Um, then I guess when it hit COVID, one of the things that really helped accelerate that was, it, you know, one of the things I did as a leader was I brought everyone in uh, a lot more frequently than we were in the normal course of business, right? Uh, and, and, and historically, we were gathering probably every month or every couple of months together as a leadership team. Through COVID, we were on um, uh, Microsoft Teams calls every 48 hours, discussing, aligning, uh, collectively agreeing what our response would be. And that was something that I think through uh, these um, crises, it brings you closer together. And, uh, you know, the solidarity that we were able to create just accelerated, uh, I guess, through through the pandemic. So it's one of the things I'm going to take out of this as a real positive, because um, there are there are there are a few things that we can take out of this um, last you know six or so months. But we already had, I guess, the framework in place, the culture in place, and that uh, collaboration already quite um, uh, quite happening in the group. But definitely got accelerated, and that's something that we're going to build on uh, as we move forward. Fantastic, and. Name and shame. Who had the 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 best webcam and and background there? You've probably seen everyone too much now, right? <laughs> yeah, look, that's been fascinating, isn't it? All the the different um, uh, trends and 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 memes coming out around um, the 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 work from home background and setups. It's been actually quite insightful because you, I think on on one level, you know, it satisfied a lot of people's curiosities, <laughs> uh, and, and on another level, it's been able to you've been able to get an insight into who we are as people, you know, and I've had my four-and-a-half-year-old son pop up on Zoom calls, uh, you know, quite to the delight of the other um, team members on that, and we've embraced that, actually. We've really tried to make, um, you know, and I think that's been one of the other benefits of, of, of this working from from uh, home situation. We've had a lot of um, personal insight. I think you've, you've really started to um, get to know uh, each other on a, on a much more personal level. 
Yeah, I think uh, the teammates at Mumbrella and indeed the people that we interview are sick of seeing my five-and-a-half-year-old. It's happened so much. So when you figure out how to get that balance, please let me know because I need that tip. Yeah, look, I've, I've no answers to that question, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any parent does, to, to be fair. That's probably the hardest question in any of these that I'm going to throw at you. But um, going back to, to business, uh, Michael, you mentioned uh, the connected platform there, uh, and that kind of rolls into uh, an idea that, that I know Publicis has, and you specifically, about the clients that you work with and having them work with more Publicis agencies as well. I, I believe in, in an interview recently, uh, you were saying that the top 10 clients that you have on average were working with uh, four Publicis agencies, and, and correct me if I, I, I'm wrong, and a lot of them were working with at least two. How big a strategy is that for publicists as a group? And can you explain a bit the the theory behind that? Why is this a focus? Sure, Damien. Look, the, the theory is quite simple. Uh, our clients, uh, you ask you know, any CMO and their teams and their marketing departments that the complexity that they now uh, face when it comes to uh, their, their marketing strategies and their marketing plans and how to drive customer growth, retain customers, increase long-term brand value. It's, it's quite a complex ecosystem to manage. So we've always started with our clients. Uh, our purpose as a, as a company is to be their indispensable partner as they move through their transformation journey, right? So that's essentially uh, where everything starts for us at the, at the group. So our connected platform really is in response to that. We have uh, a breadth and depth uh, of agencies in the marketing services space um, that provides an end-to-end um, uh, so, a set of solutions. And we also have um, Publicist Sapient, which is its very own um, uh, specialist uh, business, which is a digital um, transformation consultancy. So we have quite a, a unique end-to-end capability uh, that clients can literally, there's, 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 essentially there's nothing we can't do. So a client can come to us and go, yes, we want to, we want you to um, work with us in all areas of our marketing funnel from top to bottom. We want you to help us drive um, awareness, consideration, desire, and we want you to help us drive and convert that into one-to-one, very personalised marketing solutions and everything else that goes in between that. Clients are faced with the, the decision around, do I go long? Do I go short? Do I invest in the top of the funnel? Do I go on the bottom of the funnel? And these are all day-to-day um, uh, and, and um, annual discussions that we have with our clients. Publicist group, if our clients so desires, can uh, can work with us across all those areas, right? Uh, and, and that's essentially what our connected platform is. Now, there is a level of strategic efficiency and in, that comes through this integration. And there's certainly a level of um, uh, efficiency that comes because when we are building these teams uh, by joining capabilities or brands or people together across those different specialisms, then there's a level of um, efficiency because we remove a lot of duplication out of the traditional advertising services uh, ecosystem, right? So uh, that, that is essentially what we, we believe is um, what is required to help clients through the modern-day marketing um, landscape. Now, not every client comes to us for everything, right? And that's that's cool. Um, we're there to help our clients as much as they need us. As you've mentioned and as I've mentioned in, 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 in another um, interview, over 50% of our clients across the publicist group in Australia work with uh, at least two of our agencies. When we look at our top 10, 
and they tend to be the more um, uh, scalable ones. They're working with at least four of our uh, brands across the different areas too. So we are seeing certainly a level of increased demand in that. Now, I think with COVID, you're seeing uh, and you know a, a lot of um, uh, you know um, pitch movement as well. I think clients are looking for that strategic integration. They're looking not just at how do I get short-term efficiency. Sure, that's that's got to be uh, uh, in play. But I think they're looking at now as we look, how do we how do we achieve growth in a very challenged marketplace? Uh, and they're looking for um, a, a strategically integrated um, bunch of partners that can do that for them. Right? And we're just able to provide that in a way that really no one else can in the marketplace because I guess when I mentioned about our transformation starting in 2016, we moved to the one P&L model in market. P&Ls for me aren't usually the, 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 the sexy kind of thing I like talking about, um, but they actually do make a big benefit for clients because our P&L structure means that we can stand up and build those teams uh, locally without having to go to a... a, a uh, a global um, uh, network to ask for permission to bring these things together. We literally can do that here uh, in market at our own um, with our own decision making for our clients um, in Australia and New Zealand. So that is essentially the the power of um, the the connected model and 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 power one. And that's why clients have a great degree of flexibility, right? Because actually, what we're seeing too is there's a level of dynamism in the marketplace. And you need to shift, uh, you know, quite fluidly. So because we have those capabilities and because we are operating this one P&L, we can shift. We can go bottom of funnel back to top. We can move the teams and, 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 and um, projects where and clients' um, investment where they need it. So it's quite a unique um it's quite a unique model, um, and it gives that flexibility to CMOs that I don't think um, they can get from um, uh, everywhere else. So efficiencies from brand marketers needing to do things uh, better, more strategically, transformations within publicists as well. There's a lot going on. We, we've got time for, for one more question, and I'm going to warn you, this is going to be a, a bit of a big one. I'm going to try and cram as many things as possible into the final question that, that I can, so I'll apologise uh, firstly, and then I'll roll in uh, to obviously there's been a lot of change this year uh, at Publicis, just rolling through a few of the changes, of course, uh, Toby Barber departed Publicis Media, Nick Keenan joined Starcom, uh, Anthony Ellis uh, joined Sarah Keith, departed, uh, Adrian Farouk took on more responsibilities, Performix and Mercer Bell have merged. There is a lot going on. So the question here is all of those changes would they have happened regardless of COVID and how have they set publicist group up moving forward into 2021? Are these the the key moves that you were expecting were, were going to be happening and uh, the people in place that you wanted to be in place? Massive question. You, you've got 30 seconds. No, I'm only joking. You don't have 30 seconds to answer that. Look, Damien, um, some of those um, uh, changes were the result of people deciding they wanted to do something different, right? Um, but the, the, the rest of those were literally part of our evolution of our, of our model, right, and part of our strategy being fine-tuned and, 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 and focusing on, I guess, the changing needs of our clients. Uh, so they've all been, um, uh, I guess, strategic decisions. Uh, some have been accelerated by COVID because we've seen uh, either increasing demand or uh, an increasing opportunity to, to, to move, such as Performance Mercer Bell. 
uh, we I have this um, uh, this this philosophy around how do we specialize, how do we create momentum, and how do we connect uh, within our group. And we saw an increasing demand for the the capabilities of what Performix delivers and what Mercer Bell deliver to create a, a new agency model, which is essentially uh, you know a performance media driven uh, creative and, and and custom experience design agency. So uh, COVID helped us get to there a lot quicker but it was it was one of the uh, the, the the ideas we had um at the beginning of the year uh jason tonelli coming into the role was in february as chief product officer uh we uh as one of our strategies has been trying to look at how we diversify out of our traditional revenue streams and we are te- we technically largely largely a service-based business that's how we derive our income. So we were looking at how do we um, also create product streams and, and product revenues. Uh, we have a range of products already within the group. So Jason's role was to look at what are the the, 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 the big plays, uh, how do we um, package those up, how do we create those that so that all of our brands can access these products, and what are the gaps and how do we create those. So that was part of our strategy. We announced that, uh, I guess, in, in February uh, pre-pandemic. And I guess one of his focuses is e-commerce data sciences uh, and, and, and technology products. So, again, it's been, uh, you know, uh, an area that we're seeing a level of increased demand in too. So that's been helpful. Um, Anthony Ellis coming in to run PMX. Anthony is a, a long-term, um, uh, you know, executive within the group, uh, fantastic media um, uh, executive. And it was a result of um, you know, Sarah Keith wanting to, to, to move on. So I wouldn't say that's um, anything more than that. Uh, but we are, you know, we, we're thankful we've got a great um, bench in our leadership team to be able to bring people like Anthony into these really important roles. Michael, we're going to have to have you back on at some stage in the near future because I feel if you strip away all the COVID talk, there's so much going on at publicists at the moment that you could dedicate another half an hour to, to at least to talking about the individual components and uh, pulling away what we should expect for, for 21 and what the group is doing. But as for now, we have run out of time. Thank you so much for being part of the Mumbrella cast, and we, we look forward to having you back at some stage in the near future. Thanks, Damien. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. I'd love to come back. Uh, it's hard to keep me um, quiet, so um, let me know when, when suits. But thanks. We'll, just, uh, we'll just have you uh, hosting the Mumbrella cast <laughs> from now on. Oh, no, that's, I think it's probably going a bit of stretch too far. I'll leave that to you, mate. Well, we always like to stretch up my brother. Thank you again, Michael. Yeah, good on you. And that's it for this week. Next week's episode will be coming to you from the studios of Mumbrella 360 Reconnected, so make sure you are subscribed to the Mumbrella Cast for another week's worth of media and marketing news. And if you haven't already, secure your ticket to the virtual Mumbrella 360 Reconnected Summit at mumbrella.com.au forward slash Mumbrella360. Thank you, team, for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. See you all next week.